Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, the podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy. And this week, we're talking about The Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove is an animated comedy about an arrogant Incan emperor named Cusco, who's transformed into a llama by his scheming ex-advisor, Yzma. Cusco confides in a villager and llama herder named Pacha to help him transform back to his normal self and reclaim his empire. This is a Disney film that was released in 2000. 2000. 21 years ago. That's Ooh, insane. Why 2K? <laughs> what a scary time. Computers uh, are going to eat us or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. I don't think it was that, but it was something. Yeah. I remember like people freaking out, but I didn't know anyone personally that was freaking out no i mean we were pretty young like i was 10 you were probably eight but yeah like it was i remember jokes being in things that's about it yeah like i remember because i remember in office space there's the whole story like the guy's job is so boring because he has to go and re-input all the dates of all their files because they only use like a two number system so like 98 (laughs) not 1998 yeah so like they didn't know what to do when they got to the 2000s because it would like repeat (laughs) and and you know so it was just like weird things like that where they thought computers like wouldn't be able to understand which is like computers are smarter than us so (laughs) it's like I think we're we're fine, wow. but uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it, this came in, out in 2000, and it stars David Spade, John Goodman, Eartha Kitt. Wait, who's the second one? John Goodman. <laughs> Why did I fall for that? <laughs> for any new listeners, please listen to Raising Arizona, and that will make sense. <laughs> you know, it caught me off guard because it's the beginning of the episode. I wasn't expecting you to do it so early. Wow. All right. It's his best delivery as an actor in his career. (laughs) All right. So in case that interrupted you remembering the rest of the cast, I'll just repeat it again. (laughs) When I was thinking of movies to do, I don't usually like base it on your movie selects, but this was on my short list of movies to consider. And then once I remembered John Goodman was in, I was like, hey, I could tied that there so i thought you'd enjoy and that's how emperor's new groove and flight are similar in theme (laughs) (laughs) so anyway this film stars david spain john goodman of course eartha kitt oh snap that's who that was yeah nice very cool (laughs) i didn't know that was her oh what and patrick madame zaroni oh yes madame zaroni (laughs) you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity batman (laughs) <laughs> she's catwoman too <laughs> and patrick warburton oh yeah the man this guy's you could i don't care who writes what if this guy's delivering it it's some most likely on its side <laughs> i love patrick warburton is he in other animated movies not movies but he's the neighbor in the wheelchair on family guy oh that's where yes yeah so yes. he's in that and um but uh you know i may i mostly know him from like seinfeld and the tick and like i'm so quickly i'm gonna make a little little super cut <laughs> Right here? Hey, how come people don't have dip for dinner? Why is it only a snack? Why can't it be a meal, you know? <laughs> I don't understand stuff like that. <laughs> David? David, I think we ought to talk. All right, that's cool.
David, I don't think we should see each other anymore. You gotta be kidding. How come? So, plenty is a pretty good move for you, huh? No more grease monkey. I don't care for that term. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. I don't know too many monkeys who could take apart a fuel injector. I saw one once that could do sign language. Yeah, I saw that one. Uh, Coco. Yeah, Coco. Right, Coco. That chimp's all right. High five. Putty, don't wait for me. All right. Gotta get to work. This trailer's really gotten to you, hasn't it? Stop using the D word. It makes the brain baby kick. Oh! That's the worst candy ever. Who's not laughing after that? Wow. I'm laughing. Oh, my God. But, yeah, his voice is so recognizable. Everybody's voice here. Yeah. It was actually pretty funny because when this movie started, <sighs> you had such a hard time, like, trying to figure out. Or not a hard time. Like, you knew who it was. I knew, but yeah. Like... When I heard David Spade speak, it's like, I knew exactly who it was, but just for some reason, I couldn't pinpoint <laughs> it. And it was, like, to the point where I kept rewinding to rehear lines. And then oh, you were like, God. I just got to tell you because yeah. you're driving me crazy. You're not going to pay attention But to I was guessing Seth Green and Jamie Kennedy for some reason. And I was like, I was like, who would have been famous in the '90s, but also been like a dick? And like, and then of course, as soon as David Spade, I'm like, yeah, David Spade, his whole persona, especially back then, like, I, I don't know about him personally, but his comedic persona was always like smug douchebag. Uh. Like every on SNL, like his most famous characters were like, you know, the smug airline guy. Yeah, the, he would do the weekend update thing where he would just make fun of celebrities. Like, like he was his whole thing was like, ah, I'm arrogant and like a douche and fuck you. Nice. And it worked as funny, you know what I mean? So it's like as soon as I got, it, I was like, oh yeah. He's the perfect choice for this character because, like, this character is David Spade as a llama and an emperor. Here we go. Thanks for flying with us. Bye bye. Bye bye. But John Goodman, you got, I mean, actually, you didn't say anything for like a while, and then you were like, ah, oh, John Goodman. Yeah, I just didn't, you know, because he's not, he's not going over the top. He's being a very, he's like the straight man in this. Yeah. So I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't catch it at the very beginning, but I was like, once I heard it, I was like, uh, there it is. But that was so fun when you were like, who is that? <laughs> it was so annoying. <laughs> but getting back to the film, The Emperor's New Groove was directed by Mark Dindal. I know very little about animation directors, so you can you can give me some info on him. Well, I think the other notable film he's done is Chicken Little. Oh, snap. You know, I've never seen that. Me neither. Wait, Chicken Little or Chicken Run? Chicken Little. Oh, snap. Okay, never mind. I uh, never seen either of them, but I was yeah. thinking of Chicken Run when you said that. Oh. <laughs> I heard Chicken Run's really good. I don't, um, I don't know about Chicken Little, though. Is that uh, supposed to be good? Oh, no. I'm not into chickens like that. <laughs> 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 Only llama-based entertainment for you? <laughs> exactly. I eat my chickens <laughs> like in, everybody else. I'm not into chickens <laughs> like that. It's fucked up. Originally, this movie was directed by Roger Allers, who, of course, did The Lion King. Oh, dip. But there's like a whole backstory um, that I'll educate you probably in Beyond the Credits, unless I find another spot that it naturally fits in. All right, but cool, cool. Anyway, Mark was brought in for the comedy aspect of things. All right, cool. Yeah, because I got some, I got some thoughts on like the the tone and the vibe of this. Ah. Like, so I, got, I got some stuff to ask. But that's it's interesting to know that. Cool. But yeah, development began for this film in 1994. Which Oh. animation man i was um, gonna say too because this is right before the tail end of 2d disney mm -hmm. where they just stopped yeah completely. but i will say 
this is an outlier for animation films because, like I said, there was an original director. There was a whole other story that this movie was going to be before it became The Emperor's New Groove. Uh So there was a lot of rewrites and story transformations and all that. So it's a little bit longer of a production than usual. Yeah. Like I said, it was originally supposed to be like this huge grand musical, and it was going to be called Kingdom of the Sun. Ah. The animators went to Peru and got inspiration, and they met llamas, and like they were like getting <laughs> like they actually spent time to like go to these places to get inspired for their animation. They brought in Sting to the project. Disney was sort of formulating... Wait, the singer? Yeah, Sting. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. They were basically developing this formula, like, let's bring up huge artists to get attached to this thing, sort of like Elton John was attached to The Lion yep, King. Yep. Who was Tarzan? Phil Collins. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never saw that movie, but I've heard that song a thousand Whoa, times. Whoa, I haven't seen Tarzan either. Yeah. Are we Disney slackers? I'm, oh, I'm a big Disney slacker. <laughs> I'm going to get into that when you ask me my history of this Whoa. movie. Whoa. I mean, I, I think I was more... Because I watched Disney Channel as a kid, so yeah. I definitely got more exposure than you did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sting was brought in to write all the original music. So he wrote this whole musical, and then, you know, once they sort of shifted paths, some of his music stayed, of course. But I came across this documentary called The Sweatbox in my research. Ooh, which I think was... I've heard of this. Oh, I, I, really? I haven't seen it, but I think I've heard of it. But yeah, go on. It was originally supposed to be a documentary about the making of The Emperor's New Groove, uh-huh. but because of all the hurdles they went through creatively with this movie, it ended up being more of a representation about how the Disney sausage gets made yeah. and just the creative, like, basically trauma <laughs> <laughs> that these artists have to go through, um, including Sting. It was actually produced by his wife along with somebody else. So a lot of it focuses on Sting and sort of like his frustrations with it while creating music for it. Disney doesn't want it out there, so it's actually yeah. never been released. And Oh, I believe it. And I, I believe they have the power to snuff it out too. Yeah, and I can totally see why they'd never release it, but I found it. I'm not going to say where because I don't want Disney to go after uh, it, but... They're coming to House of Mouse. It's coming <laughs> for you. But folks, you can find it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So I'll talk about that more in did detail you watch later. It? I did. How long is it? It's an hour and a half. It's you watched the whole thing? Yeah. It's when did you sneak that? I got time. All right. <laughs> um, I live in the same house. I didn't see you doing uh, it. <laughs> I'm sneaky. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it was labeled the uncut version, which I could totally buy because I feel like as a docu, like a produced documentary, it could have used some edits. A, yeah, it was a bit of a mess. Yeah, but it was very interesting. Yeah, but content is, is what yeah. you're there for. And I wish the time code wasn't blocking like the IDs of who people were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of got to put it together, but like... But man, I'd be interested in anything that kind of like spills the tea on Disney because they are the most like secretive powerhouse. In, well, like, <laughs> yeah. the biggest mistake, and there's no way you can get around it, is creating a documentary about disney but having disney own it yeah oh yeah no you can't <laughs> but then again how are you gonna get access to these yeah. people and these this foot you know what i mean it would be a very boring documentary if you if you weren't cooperating with disney right but i believe all that stuff because like i mean not I, you know even to this day you see it you know with their marvel and star wars like you kind of have to play ball within the studio system they're not really interested in like auteurs or director's vision so so if you come in like an edgar wright trying to make ant-man you're getting the boot because you're too you're too right. Edgar Wright, you know? If you're Phil Lord and Christopher Miller trying to make Han Solo, 
they're going to replace you with Ron Howard because Ron Howard's going to fucking play by the rules. Right. And I love Ron Howard. He makes great movies, but he's going to play by the rules. He's a nice guy. Yeah. You know, they don't really want like rogue filmmakers doing stuff. So they, you know, it's all got to be nice and squeaky. Yeah. It's so strange, too, because I feel like the studio heads are sort of like instead. They want something new and fresh and that people, they'll make money off of. But at the same time, you can't have new and fresh by sticking to the same formula all the time. So it's like, I don't know how you win that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All that stuff was interesting. I recommend, you you know, anybody listening to try and seek out the sweat box, especially if you're a fan of this movie. Long story short, because of, you know, poor test screenings with Kingdom of the Sun and just... That name is terrible, by the way. Oh. Like I'm saying, like if you're trying to say, wish the kids, like if I was a kid, <laughs> you want to go see Kingdom of the Sun or fucking Toy Story? I'm like, yeah, the story of toys <laughs> any day. Kingdom the story of, the, of toys. Kingdom of the Sun sounds like an Oliver Stone movie about Vietnam. It's oh, like, what are no. we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a part in the documentary where they changed the name to like Kingdom and the Sun. And like that was like such a huge deal uh, creatively. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think kids want to see anyway. Emperor's New Groove more than they want to see the Kingdom <laughs> yeah. of the Sun. I don't want to see that. Right. I'm an adult. Sounds no. boring. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, because of, you know, Roger Allers getting crushed by studio heads for comments like that <laughs> <laughs> this is not working for disney anytime soon <laughs> this guy he left they they were co-directing at first and then dindal ended up taking yeah. full director i have a hard time even picturing how you direct an animated movie like it's so animation is so far from what i know mm. i just like it's freaking interesting like how do you direct like are you just like looking over like is there a version of dailies? Like, are they cutting together? I, I know. I so mean, little. it's story. It's like think of storyboarding. Yeah, I guess you're just very heavily storyboarding. But yeah. then, like, do you have to be able to draw, or do you just work with the animators to draw your storyboards that you're describing to them? From you know the I mean? documentary, it looks like it's more of the latter, like collaborating with artists to yeah, develop. Yeah, that's the... what I got to imagine. Because what are the odds? I feel like we'd have less animated movies yeah. if every director was an amazing animator yeah. and an amazing director. But you I know do what think I mean? Dindal was is an artist. Like cool. he does know how to draw. Cool, cool, cool. After watching this documentary, I can go into a whole thing about how amazing animation is in oh. terms of developing the story and like how many people are involved and the fact that they can even like get anything out at the end of the day is kind of amazing. Yeah. By the time that they got to like the Emperor's New Groove and what that story was, this movie is really just a result of the writers' room being crushed so many times that they're like you know what we have nothing left to lose just <laughs> yeah let's just go for it <laughs> yeah interesting so that's how we ended up with the emperor's new groove nice it was a dramatic musical and it turned into a light-hearted comedy <laughs> about <laughs> <Yeah>. friendship <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> so anyway andy i want to know what you knew about the emperor's new groove your feelings your thoughts i fully remember this coming out 2000 would have been 10 years old nice fresh-faced kid going to the fifth grade oh so cute um i kind of mentioned this to you ye- uh, yesterday when we were watching but it's funny how i haven't thought about this movie in whatever 21 years like literally never thought about it and then as we were watching it, there were certain lines that like I knew so perfectly just because I was like a TV watching nerd all my life and watched so much TV, especially at that age, that I was like, oh, I've seen this commercial for this movie 50,000 times. And I remember these two specific jokes so well that as soon as they were in the movie, it was like a weird, I was like transported back in time. I was <laughs> like, like holy, like, I didn't know I knew this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because if you asked me two days ago, do you know any lines? Remember you go like, no, I don't know any lines. I never saw it. And then yeah. as, yeah. <laughs> It was just so funny. But yeah, so I remember coming out, but, you know, as I've expressed on this podcast before, that's right when I was hitting that age of just, like, being ashamed of, like, kid stuff. 
So I still watch a lot of kid stuff on TV. Like, I, you know, like when I was home and nobody could see me all day, you know, watching <laughs> watching kids stuff. But like in terms of like going to the movies, like it was almost like embarrassing. You know, like like I remember this year for my birthday party, we went to go see Vertical Limit, which isn't a great movie, but it's like this. I've never even heard of that. It's a, it's a mountain climbing like disaster movie. It's about people who go climbing on a mountain and everyone's Andy. dying. Like, you know, and so like I took a group of 10 year olds that my mom took us to go see this PG-13 movie. And, you know. But at that age, I thought it was the coolest thing ever because it was, like, so adult. Now yeah. I've, I've watched it recently. It's kind of silly. But anyway, so, like, I was just trying to do everything I could to seem cooler, older, not being, you know, like, yeah. especially when you're boys, it's just not cool to be into and kids' shit. Also, like, a boy who is surrounded by adults or, like, people significantly older than exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, like, my like my brothers weren't going to be like, what a cool movie you're watching there. Right. You know, they would have made fun of me and been like, why don't you put this on? You know, it's like, it's the reason why I was watching Seinfeld at seven. I didn't get it, but everyone around me was laughing and I wanted to be smart, so I watched it, you know, and like, and then I would just, like, be like, all right, they're gone. Hey, Arnold, nice, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I just I just didn't even attempt to see this. Like, I didn't even think, like, you know, the tra- it looked kind of funny, but it wasn't, it didn't, like, yeah. nothing about it was like, oh, I have to go see this now. I'll give that to you too because we just watched the trailer and I don't think it sold it as well. Like nah. it didn't sell the com- the true comedy. Of yeah, it. they kind of just played like the the first half of the trailer was a real trailer and the second half was just like two full scenes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and it was just like, what are we doing? <laughs> but in general, just like with Disney as a whole, it just wasn't my jam as a kid. Like I loved Lion King still to this day. Yeah, probably my favorite traditionally animated movies of all time Damn. i really liked aladdin i really liked little mermaid outside of that nothing i didn't even see anything else let alone like like i didn't i didn't see hunchback of notre dame i didn't see tarzan i didn't see whatever wow. whatever you could name coming out at this time i was just skipping except lion king 2 because i love lion king so much i had that on vhs <laughs> yeah simba's pride um <laughs> so i was just like not a disney like you know we didn't have disney channel i was always watching nickelodeon and so like Things like all that and Keenan and Kill and Burger, not Burger King, fucking Good, Good Burger. Burger, all very childish stuff. But to me, because like the actors were like older and it was live action, it just seemed cool. Like everyone and all that seemed cool. You know yeah. what I mean? So I just, I don't know, I wasn't a Disney kid. Like, again, outside of those three movies and Lion King being like the pinnacle of like, I love this. Yeah. And then I did get into Pixar a lot, but that's like, who couldn't? Who was five years old named Andy that didn't like Toy Story. Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But even that, like, Disney didn't swallow up Pixar until a couple of years later anyway. Mm-hmm. So Pixar was kind of like the rebel. It was John Lasseter saying, fuck you, when he left Disney to go make his own studio. So it's just like, yeah, I just, I literally never even considered watching it. I was just like, yeah, it's another movie. Whoa. But what's weird is I remember, because like I said, this was the tail end of, like, Disney doing the 2D movies. Because I remember, so this was 2000. In 2003, it was Brother Bear. And for some reason, I, I watched that. Not in theaters, but like I watched it somewhere. Like, I don't know if I rented it or what. Um, and I think I might have because I remember them saying like, this is kind of the end of traditional animation for us. Like, we're going we're gonna to move forward to 3D animated movies. Mm. And so I was like, ah, maybe I should just see this just because, uh, you know, it's like, it's the end. <laughs> As a 13-year-old. Yeah, I was like, ah. Let witness a part of film it's, history. It's, it's the end of an era. <laughs> um, and from what I remember, I really like that movie. And the main character's name is Coda, just like our dog. Aww. But, uh, and then eventually Princess and the Frog became the official last, like that, but that was 2009. So mm-hmm. that was like a seven year gap where they're like, we're not going to make any more. And then they did the Princess and the Frog as kind of like their last swan song to, to traditional animation. Mm. So I just thought it was weird that I saw Brother Bear, not this, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I'd never saw it. I didn't even know who was really starring in it. The only thing I did know was I did know there was a sequel called Kronk's New Groove just <laughs> from commercials. So I assumed Kronk was the best friend. Uh, so when this started, I was like, Kronk's? 
like the bad guy, sort of. You know, like I thought, I thought Kronk was, and it's it's very common to make the best friend the idiot in these movies. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was about, really. Like I knew he gets turned to a llama, but so I thought it was gonna be like he's the straight man, and he's got a dumb best friend, and they go do things. Yeah. So I just I was surprised that it wasn't Kronk. That's awesome. And uh, how about you? What was your history with this one? Well, I actually don't know how I came across it. I have a feeling it was a random blockbuster rental, probably because it was a animated film yeah. that was Disney. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a Disney kid. I mean, I'm sort of hesitant to call myself a Disney kid because there are true Disney lovers out oh, there. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> like psychos. Hardcore Disney yeah. lovers. So, you know, I skipped a couple. Like you said, like we both didn't watch Tarzan or yeah. anything like that. but. I watched Hercules, a... I skipped Hercules. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of all yeah. that. I'm like, I skipped everything. Yeah. Like I was just like, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> Honestly, I skipped Hercules because we watched the live action Hercules uh-huh. and I was like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one like I guess more grown up thought I had as That's a kid. hilarious. Where you were like, not for me. <laughs> Leave uh, that for the children. Yeah. I'm even, a I'm a sorbo man. Even when a freaking uh who's that hot guy? Uh Ryan Gosling, Gosling? Yeah. came out with the young Hercules, I was like Nah. <laughs> I watched a little of that back in the day. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. I mean, obviously, I didn't know who Gosling was because nobody did. But I just remember like liking it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it. But I do remember I watched at least like seven episodes. Oh, like, I was man. just like, if it was on, I was like, oh, I watched like Young Hercules. <laughs> I think. I mean, I'd give that a watch with you. Like, give it like a fifteen-minute right. watch. Well, well, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think this was a random one. I I watched a lot of Disney Channel as a kid, so it wasn't really out of the realm of you know what I would watch. Yeah. This is another film, of course, that I enjoyed with my mom growing up because it has a lot of quotable lines. Yeah, like, yeah. Ridiculous amount. And I just thought it was really funny. Um, I think it's a true like family film, like no matter what age you are, there's something like there's a joke in there for you. Oh, for you. sure. So it was really fun to watch like together. And even now, too, it's nice to see how many people love this movie outside of just me. Like, I have coworkers who I've mentioned it to, and they're like, oh my God, yeah, I love Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. There are TikToks about it and memes. So I'm like, yes, this is awesome. So they consider it a cult classic now. Yeah, exactly. How much? You didn't tell me the box office in the grocery Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was what could Disney, I guess, would technically consider a fail. Mm-hmm. It had a budget of 100 mil, and it only made 169 at the end of oh, the day. Oh, yeah, that doesn't seem worth it for six yeah. years of work or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> they made a bunch more money like when it got released on video. Yeah, and um, I'm sure toys, and I'm sure there was... Yeah, oh, but they like Cusco? really Cusco? Cusco. Yeah, I was thinking the Kuz- fucking Kajuko Bridge over here in Brooklyn. <laughs> Kajuko? And that's not even how you say that either. <laughs> that's, not even, that's not how you pronounce that. <laughs> that's just how I say it. Cusco. Yeah, I'm sure there was like Cusco plushes and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. There was even like they had, you know, the, the main characters walking around in Disney parks and stuff. But like these days you can't really find them. Yeah. Which is a mistake in my opinion. Well, thanks for, like, for the actors who don't have to walk around in a four-legged llama costume. Oh, <laughs> that's in the, true. In the heat of Disneyland. That is very true. Oh, imagine playing the butt of Cusco at Disneyland. Oh, like, no that, way. That's you? Like, yeah, I'm the butt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Ew. But yeah, I mean, this today, I mean, it has a Rotten Tomato score of, oh, do you want to guess? Uh, Sure. Uh, I would say critics, 68, audience, 79. Whoa. So it's actually critics and audience are very close. Ooh. 
It's 85 critics, Whoa. 83 audience. Look at that. Ah, nice. Yeah. This to me seemed way more of like people love it, but critics were like, hmm. Yeah. But I, guess so. I guess not. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I would have guessed probably closer to what you It's my impression you did. of all critics. <laughs> when it came out, it was going up against What Women Want, Dude, Where's My Car, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So I was there for Dude, Where's My Car, I'll tell you that. Oh, much. my God. That's, that was me at 10 years old. <laughs> that was the height of my, my class. It's so funny because I watched What Women Want at a very young age. Really? I've never seen that. <laughs> I looked like a mess even back then. It's actually not that bad. Huh? No. Seems like it would not hold up through a lens of today. Okay. Well, let's just wrap it up and get into the plot. <laughs> let's do it. Just want to confirm at the very top, I don't think we're going to have a spoiler section this week. Yeah, I mean, with kids' movies, you can usually tell how they're going to wrap up. They're not they're not usually going to like hit you with a big twist at the end. Right. But also, I think just this movie in particular really is more focused on making you laugh versus having like a true three act like story. Yes. And I'll have plenty of ex- and I don't I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's it was their intention and there's some very clear things that happen especially in the end of the movie that prove that they're not interested in the story as much as they are in the fun aspect of this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're not too worried about we're not going to break it off and be like now we're going to find out what happens to Cusco. <laughs> he gets pretty happy by the end. <laughs> <laughs> but right off the bat, I just want to say that Cusco reminds me of Aziz from Parks and Rec. <laughs> I could see it. <laughs> just like I feel like if they were they shouldn't ever but if they were ever to like recast this role like aziz could totally do it yeah <laughs> it's just great. like no touchy you know <laughs> like, i could see him saying that i just like that like fake swag but like no one really likes him you yeah know? exactly i'm buying can i get apps and zerts zerts are what i call desserts tray trays or entrees i call sandwiches sammy's sanduzels or adam sandler's air conditioners are cool blasters with a z I don't know where that came from. I call cakes big old cookies. I call noodles long ass rice. Fried chicken is fry fry chicky chick. Chicken parm is chicky chicky parm parm. Chicken cacciatore, chicky catch. I call eggs pre birds or future birds. Root beer is super water. Tortillas are bean blankies. And I call forks food rakes. Yeah, you can get as many desserts as you want. Well, let's get in my go go mobile car. From the top, it's Cusco telling this story, right? Like he's the narrator yeah. being like, all right, this is me in a low point, but let's like start from the beginning and you get to see like his life as an emperor and he has his own theme song and it's awesome. Yeah, I was hoping this intro narration was going to lead to more like fourth wall breaky jokes than it did. So I was like, all right, I hope this kind of goes this route. Uh, cool. But and I'll say I did like this opening sequence, but I would have guessed a thousand percent that this was a musical. Mm. I mean, it's called Emperor's New Groove for Christ. like you know what I yeah. mean. Like I just thought it was. I thought it was all. I thought it was gonna be a very music-based movie. I thought he was gonna be like if I had to guess, I was gonna guess that this movie was about like an emperor who was like really into music for some reason, <laughs> and like he wasn't like leading properly. Yes. I, I really thought it was gonna do with dancing and music. Like the title New Groove really like. Throws you off. Yeah, threw me off to what this like movie yeah. was. I mean, this and now mo- that I know that it wasn't the original title, like, oh, I get it. Like, is yeah. the groove doesn't play that much of a of a. Yeah, it was supposed to be this huge musical, and this is actually like one of 
the few films that isn't a musical, like an from animated, Disney. yeah, from, from Disney. Disney. Yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah, with this opening sequence with this Elvis-looking guy, I was just <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is this is gonna be a big musical. Yeah. Can I just mention that uh, Sting wrote this song, uh-huh. and they wanted him to sing it, but he was like, yeah, I'm too old to do like a song like this. Like it's yeah. too like upbeat or whatever. And so they got Tom Jones to sing it. Is and he he's younger than like Sting? 11 years old. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Tom Jones <laughs> is not a spring chicken. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. That's hilarious. But yeah, his voice and everything just pulled it together. Yeah, yeah it worked. Oh, and yes, the documentary goes through like the creative process for the animators, uh-huh. but the song process as well for Sting, like I. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Uh, Musicians, yeah, yeah. man. Artists in general, just. Yeah, music doesn't make any sense to me either. <laughs> it's, a ma- uh, it's a magic power that people have that I'm just like, that's awesome that you could do that. I cannot. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, the song is jamming and you get to see Cusco and his ridiculousness. It's kind of like coming to America where like, you know, he's getting bathed and pampered by everyone around him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The royal penis is clean, your highness. Um, except we also learn, like, I learned, but I mean, it's pretty clear that one of the themes of this movie is going to be that even though he's surrounded by everything he wants and gets what he wants, there's nobody in his life that he likes, yeah. you know? And he's spoiled. Oh, yeah, he's totally he spoiled. He sucks. He's mean to everyone. And he has no, like, self-reflection. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he goes like, how come people don't like me? Like, he's just like... Everyone loves me. Of course they do. It's their, They have to love me, so it's awesome. Exactly. Um, and I did like... I didn't know how old he was supposed to be. They mentioned it later. But I do like that they do make him 17 because it's like, you know, he's still young enough to ha- be like kind of an arrogant idiot like that. And did this scene where he throws the guy out the window for, for throwing off his groove <laughs> and then the guy goes on and on about the groove, I feel like that was added in to justify this title. Oh. Because, <laughs> again, that had nothing to do with it. He, like, he never mentions his groove again for the rest of the movie. He's never like, he oh, dances? I lost. I know, but he's never like, now that I'm a llama, I have no groove. Like, you know, like, it's, I thought it was going to be the whole movie. It was going to be like, fuck, I'm just, my groove is gone. <laughs> no, it was going to be like, in Austin Powers 2, like, they pretend, like, his ability to be Austin Powers and his, they didn't have the word swag back then, but his swagger and his sex appeal and all that, they they boiled it down to calling it his mojo. And it was like something you could actually like extract from him and steal. Oh, so, uh, so they steal wow. his mojo. And then the whole movie, he can't be Austin Powers because he has no mojo. So that, I thought this was, was going to be them kind of like, you know, it was around the same time as Austin Powers too. They're probably like, oh yeah, we'll just make it his mojo. Like <laughs> Austin that's... Powers for kids. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was just like, oh man, they're really going to like drive home this groove thing. And then it's a never said again. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like they added that just to justify this new title. It's very possible. <laughs> it is, it is very, very possible. Because he was like, don't you dare. Don't, whatever you do, don't mess up his groove. Don't mess up his groove. And I was like, damn, this guy loves his groove. <laughs> and then never again. Yeah. It and was that... a pretty good joke though. Oh, it was funny. But it was just like, I was just like, ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And uh and during all this setup we also meet Eartha Kitt's character whose name I can't remember. Isma. Isma, yeah. So yeah. she we see her sitting on the throne like telling peasants to go F themselves. Yeah. Why didn't I curse? Go fuck themselves. <laughs> it's Disney. It's yeah, Disney yeah, right? podcast. We got kids on this one. <laughs> we got kids listening here. You never self-censor. <laughs> I know, that was weird. As soon as I said it, it felt weird. I was like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> And then Cusco comes in and we find out that like she's basically like posing on the throne to act like she's the ruler because she doesn't respect him and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yzma's so great. 
Yeah. I love this character. I don't know that Eartha Kitt and the original animator who sort of put her look together are happy with where her character ended up. She was originally supposed to be like super dynamic in terms of like getting to know her more as a character as a villain yeah so they kind of like simplified it for the sake of you know (laughs) the film totally but i mean i gotta say like eartha i can't imagine anybody else playing yzma yeah than eartha kid yeah now that i like know it was like i just didn't recognize her voice like she like doesn't look like Eartha Kitt. <laughs> that would be mean. But like, you know, they yeah. really did a good job of like embodying the voice actor with the the yeah. movements of the character. So yeah, all this beginning stuff, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this movie Ooh. because I want to get into it more as we go on, but this doesn't feel like any of the other Disney movies I've ever seen. <laughs> and in the beginning to me, that was a very bad thing where I was like, I feel like I need more everything. Oh, like wow. I need explanations up to Wazoo because I was like, First, I didn't even know it was Inkian. I was like, where are they? Mm. How is this kid emperor? How does he have no family at all and they're not mentioning it once? Like, are his parents dead? Was he, Is he next in line? How right. long has he been emperor? Is he going to be emperor when he's 18? Is he emperor now? Why is he a kid emperor? <laughs> Why is, is nobody in his life? Yeah. And then who is Yzma? How did she get hired? Yeah. Did she work for his parents? Like, you know, I was just like, they're not giving me shit to go off of here. And <laughs> For a I, Disney movie. Yeah, and I can't connect to any of this. Because I'm just thinking like Lion King. Like you get the whole... By the time we're, we're 20 minutes into the movie, we know the whole dynamic. We know that Scar has been... You know, even though he's the older brother, he got put aside for the younger brother because Mustafa was stronger than him. And that's why he has resentment. And like there was all this like deep dynamics behind it all. Yeah. And then I was just like, I don't like I don't know anything about this guy. Like, why? Why was Yzma? Like, it seems like he hates Yzma from the second he sees her. So I'm like, why did she ever work for you? Right. You know what I mean? So I was just like, and then. That's so interesting. I'll, I'll get onto it as we go on. But. I didn't know what kind of movie this was going to be, so I was I was just comparing it to other Disney movies I've seen, and I was like, this is not doing any of the legwork. It's just like, <laughs> it's just going right into it. It's just like, I, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it, don't, it totally does. Yeah. You have to listen for it, that she's, you know, the advisor, and she's essentially been his parental figure, even though he doesn't treat her that way. Yeah, but yeah, like, I didn't get the vibe that, like, she raised him, and if she did, why? You know, like, I don't get, like, because <laughs> yeah. for a 17-year-old, I'm like, how... Did, did your parents tragically and I also don't know anything about emperors and how like I've, I know kings and shit like does it yeah. work the same way as are there emperor princes who then become emperors like, I think this is an example of what was originally in the original concept of this movie because yeah. they were really going to go into the culture and how all that stuff works totally. and they just kept sort of a skeleton of that mm-hmm. to tell this story yeah yeah that's interesting that it came off to you that way so yeah um, I, I stopped I started this off in like not a bad foot but of just like you're gonna have to do a lot of you're going to have to do a lot right now, movie, yeah. because I'm starting off not And then this. on top of that, she has an assistant named Kronk. Yeah. Who is this sort of... That's Patrick Warburton. Yes. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know, classic Homer Simpson, classic fucking Kelso on the 70s show. Like, classic every dumb character you ever had. Yeah. Like, but charming. Just, like, yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps that it's Patrick Warburton. He plays dumb so good. I like the joke that every 10 years she gets a new young guy, <laughs> you know, to be her assistant. Yep. In this scene, it really cuts to the chase, right? It's Cusco fires her for doing what she's been doing. Yeah. And she gets salty real quick. And that's where we discover that she has a secret lab that literally everyone knows about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too, again, I was like, a lab in wherever they are? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like, like science experiments and Incan emperor times. It just seemed so, I was like, 
what kind of world is this movie building? <laughs> so I'll be honest, spoiler alert, once I realized that this is a straight up slapstick comedy, none of this bothered me anymore. Mm. I just didn't know that's what it was because that's not what any of these other Disney movies I've seen. Yeah. Aladdin's not that, Little Mermaid's not that. They're all like heartfelt movies with humor and over the top action. Yeah. And this is like insanity. I know when you watch a Disney film, you kind of can expect the same old same old yeah but every time i watch a disney like i kind of don't go into that same that's crazy i don't i don't just expect something i'm kind of like what do you like, got <laughs> i 100 percent expect a villain who either is scary or at least meant to be scary you know whether or not it's scary is up to you mm -hmm. but like an actual like formidable villain and then they always have a sidekick who's an idiot Mm. You know, yeah. Iago's a moron. Jafar is scary. Yeah. Fucking the hyenas. The hyenas are idiots. Scar is scary. Right. You know what I mean? Like Ursula at the end of Little Mermaid, scary as shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just like, what are they doing with this? Like this. So this movie flipped it. And yes, she has a dumb sidekick, but she's also real dumb. Yeah. And not formidable or scary or anything. Like she's always getting her ass handed to her the entire movie. Yeah. So that's just what I mean by I have all this like Disney baggage just because they do the same thing every time. It's like, oh, we got a bad guy. Yeah, Danny DeVito's his, his friendly sidekick because they, they want it to be scary for the older people, but then dumb and silly for the kids. Yeah, I think that's why I like this film at the end of the day, because there's no real like scary villain, like nothing oh, there's, yeah, there's... ever really scary happens. No, <laughs> like it's yeah. pretty safe. The I'm whole never time. really worried about any of these guys. Yeah. So it's all just fun and games, yeah. which I love. But she, of course, gets all this resentment and guilt and is sort of putting her frustrations in slamming headstones shaped in Cusco's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then gets the idea from Kronk, mistakenly, <laughs> to poison him um, and take over the throne because yep. nobody else knows she's been fired except Cusco yeah. and Kronk. So that really just kicks us off from there. I think this, yeah, yeah it does. I won't harp on it, keep harping on it, but I think this is actually where I realized that I needed more story if i wanted to be invested in the story because mm. i was like wait so why does she get to be next in line just because she works for him is that how emperors work like right. like what are you talking about like who yeah but anyway i guess the world around Cusco isn't really introduced or formed at all until later in the movie and even then it's you don't really get nah. too much of it but again i don't think that's the movie's concern yeah if the movie was trying to do that and failed i'd have a problem but yeah. i about halfway through i was like oh it's not the goal from the beginning of this yeah you know, we're not we're not building an elegant world. This isn't the circle of life. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I love this dinner scene where Yzma invites the emperor over for dinner and that's where they're going to poison him. Right. Yep. And I just love that Kronk, even though he works for Yzma, he loves cooking and like hosting. Like he loves all this like stuff that doesn't matter or has anything to do with yeah. his job. <laughs> I also like that he's like good at a lot of that stuff. It's, it would be one thing if he was mad stupid, but like. It's it's funny that he is like he's actually a pretty good cook and like yeah. when he when he does something he likes he's not incompetent he's just incompetent with what she wants him to do yeah but yeah this this scene was where I was getting my first like legit laughs like there there was some really good stuff in here uh, one of the I think in my opinion the best quotes of all time is oh right the poison the poison for Cusco the poison chosen specially to kill Cusco Cusco's poison that poison yes that poison. Got you covered. <laughs> it's just my favorite. Oh, yeah. It's so good. A little more setup we missed. Uh, we do meet John Goodman's character before this. When he's, go he's going to meet Cusco because Cusco wanted to... Summoned him. Summoned him. And we find out that Cusco's going to destroy 
his house and built his summer home on top of that hill and basically evict everybody in his town. Yep. Just basically setting up the Cusco, the heartless asshole, doesn't give a shit about people. He has no one in his life to care about, so he doesn't care about people. Mm-hmm. Very, you know. Yeah, it's pretty rude. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, they go to poison him. I will say, I was very surprised for a kid's movie how often we're saying the words kill and dead. Oh. I don't know if you've noticed, but like a lot of movies skirt that word very smoothly we use words like eliminate and destroy and get stun. rid of they don't say stun but <laughs> know, like get rid of or like we have, we have to get rid of him like get him off this fit. so right. like and then some and then when there are words like dead or murdered it's usually like for a big moment like a mufasa so the fact that she was just throwing like we have to kill him we have to get him dead i want him like i was just like i feel like you don't hear that a lot ah, like interesting. you know like i just always noticed it like growing up watching like x-men cartoons and stuff like magneto would be like i will destroy all of you and it, he never said like i'm gonna kill all the x-men we'd be like oh my god you know like <laughs> oh yeah destroy we, we could deal with that <laughs> and, yeah, so they'll I, come back. Maybe because it was it was the year two thousand and we were getting edgy, so we were yeah. we were growing up as a society. That is so. I'm surprised I didn't notice this as a kid or now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's they're saying kill a lot, and like, and also like trying to use like knives to kill, and like you know, obviously like nothing connects, but even just even implying it, you right? Know? Like uh. it, when they made Ninja Turtles two, they had a specific rule from the studio that none of the turtles could ever use their weapons to hit anybody wow they could only use other things so they had to like grab a sausage and throw a sausage at someone because they couldn't use nunchucks because then they thought kids would want to use nunchucks oh my god so they had to always use their weapons for other things not for hitting mm-hmm. so like that's the world i grew up in of like tv like you know like oh no you know and <laughs> they eventually had to turn all the ninja turtles and the cartoons bad guys into robots because they were like they could only fight robots you yeah. know spider-man was not to punch anybody in the spider-man cartoon you could only throw them. SMH. Not a single punch could be thrown. Like, you know what I mean? Oh. So I just, I didn't, I didn't think kill was going to be said. So to Andy's point, so they say it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of killing him, of course, they grabbed the wrong poison and turned him into a llama. Yeah. Which is the basis of this movie. Yeah. And I find it so funny. It, it, there were parts of the documentary that, where they were like trying to like figure out how to market this. And they're like, if you see the emperor's new groove and you see a picture of a llama, there's a disconnect there. Oh, like, yeah. how do you do it? And I was like, damn. Llamas yes. aren't known for being groovy. <laughs> like, it's not, <laughs> like, there's nothing, like. Is the emperor the llama? Or yeah. is the llama the, like, they're just Is the llama gonna... giving the emperor a groove? Like, is, is he meet the llama and then get groovy with it? <laughs> so I could see how this movie also, could be what challenging. Also, what is a groove? <laughs> what do we mean by that? <laughs> oh, we gotta have a scene early on. Someone throws him off his groove, and then that guy explains what a groove <laughs> means. Because that guy even goes out of his way to be like, by his groove, I mean his way of life, his movements, his his, his personality. Like, I was like, yeah, that was yeah, that's some ADR shit, right? <laughs> Not technically, but you know what I mean. Oh, that's so funny. Yzma assigns Kronk the simple task, in her words, of getting rid of the body. Yeah. Okay, and- I just, I, I just want to shout out, I really like the visual gag of when they realized they gave him llama potion instead of poison, and then his, the poison is the skull and crossbones. Oh, yeah. But then he folds it up, and it was just a picture of a llama. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't translate, obviously, in audio, but it's, yeah. it's a good visual gag. No, it's so great. But yeah, she assigns Kronk the simple task of getting rid of the body, and Kronk really thinks about good and bad, like, and it's visualized literally by the good and bad, the angel and the devil yeah. on the shoulders. Yeah, that, that, made, that made me think. I was like, where, when was that first done? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Because all my life, that's been a joke and everything. Yes. Yeah, and I'm like, who, who's, because all those things are always from something serious first. Yeah. There's got to be a movie from the 50s where, like, that happens, and Whoa. then everyone who grew up on that made stuff later and made it a joke. 
It's it, literally on every... Wasn't also, all our cartoons? Yeah, and like we don't really do it anymore either. I feel like I don't remember the last time I saw that. But yeah. you know, it was even in Chainsaw and Bob's Trick Back. I was like, everyone does that shit. Like that, mm. that around this era, like that was the joke. Yeah. I meant to, I literally wrote in my notes, look up Origin of Shoulder Angel and Devil, but I didn't do it. Oh, dang it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I just found this as an excuse to get more of his humor in there because... I think throughout the film, no matter how small a character is, they're developed enough and have some sort of like moment to shine in yeah. terms of comedy. Oh, yeah. And then also, yeah, I realized real quick that I get, I get why the sequel is called Kronk's New Groove. I mean, this mm. dude stands out in terms of the funny parts of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get a funny little sequence of Kronk going to get rid of the body, giving himself his own theme song. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is true because it was on the trivia of IMDb, but apparently he, <laughs> he improvised that theme song he made for himself. Nice. And then he had to sign the rights away to Disney. That mouse is ruthless. <laughs> you, you're not getting nothing past him. Man. The hum is owned by Disney It's now. like, if you fucking hum this in the shower, there's going to be a cease and desist <laughs> slid under your bathroom door before you're out of there. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Oh, yo, the way South Park portrayed Mickey Mouse is one of the funniest fucking things. It was uh, it was when the Jonas Brothers were hot. That's when they made it. So it's all the nice. Jonas Brothers focused episode with Mickey Mouse, like pulling their strings. It's so funny. Ring stay on. Well, well, maybe we'll just refuse to go on stage. You don't talk to me like that, you little piece of shit. No, sir. No, Mr. Mouse. No, Mr. Mouse. Oh, that's good, because I thought we had a problem for a minute there, huh? All right, now, get out there and make me some goddamn money, huh? It's during this sequence that they kind of zoom out, and there's a quick scene with a chimp and a bug, like a chimp is eating a bug. Uh-huh. And then it, like, it push pushes back in to Kronk continuing to, like, bring the llama to a waterfall. Yeah. Apparently, that is a subtle reference to the opening shots of Citizen Kane. Oh, I shit. don't know how. <laughs> because... As someone who loves Citizen Kane, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Or at least I didn't at the time. I don't know. That's the... Why? Um, <laughs> why? Why are you subtly <laughs> referencing Citizen it, Kane? It, uh, I read during the opening montage of Xanadu Estate, there's a similar shot of a pair of monkeys eating bugs. I'm sure. No, there is. But oh, I'm okay. saying, like, why? Like, <laughs> nothing. Know. Why would you want to reference? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, Citizen Kane's like very heavy on plot and it's like, it's the opposite of this movie. I think again, the writer's room was like, what the hell? <laughs> I know, I get it, but like, I don't know. But again, it was a cutaway. I just yeah. wanted to mention it in case you noticed. I or... get referencing your influences, but I don't see anything in this that I would connect to Citizen Kane influence-wise. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, of course, Kronk can't bring himself to get rid of the body and z- z- Cusco ends up. You were in... gonna call him Zuko. I was. <laughs> my God, same. I got. An, I lost my whole group. <laughs> and Cusco ends up in the carriage of Pacha. Pacha. Can I just say I love the name Pacha? Yeah, it's a good name. Pacha. I mean, it kind of sounds like your name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> just conceded. <laughs> Pacha, Pacha. <laughs> but I just feel like it matches like the the humble, homey down-to-earth feel of this character yeah john goodman's like a very good like nice guy because we've seen a lot of crazy goodman lately love a good i just i think this was a good break no he could play anything oh, he could God. play batman <laughs> no he couldn't okay. 
Especially now, he's so old. Uh, Whenever I see commercials for like the Connors, and I don't even know if they're still on, but when I saw those Roseanne and Connors revivals, I was like, oh, Goodman's getting old. I think like Flight was like the last time he looked like Goodman, and before like right before he got old, like 2012, because in that he just looked like John Goodman. Like, you know what I mean? And it's here that we get like that sort of small, the smallest glimpse of what the world is like outside of the Emperor's estate. Yeah. Right? And it's very quaint. It's very cute. Yeah. Hence why I was like, how is there a science lab here? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like a far distance away. Like, I guess Pacha lives in sort of like the countryside. He's a llama herder. Yeah. So, I didn't I didn't get that. But now when you said it, it made sense. I knew he had like llamas around him. But like, I just thought it was like yeah. a llama, llama-based land. You know, like a lot of llamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of llamas. Also, I meant to say this earlier with the science stuff. I don't know why it wasn't just magic. I feel like it would have just been <laughs> easier to swallow the whole. Like, Aladdin has tons of magic and nobody has a problem with it. Yeah, but then. I've never, like, just like science. It just seems so weird that there was like beakers and Bunsen burners and shit. And I was like, do you even have electricity? Like, what the I, fuck is going yeah, on Yeah, but here? where do you do magic? Like, I, I like the idea of the lab. I like how they get to the uh, lab. Oh, it's good for comedy. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, it just didn't seem like a very science-based society. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like the fact that they have a lab, so that way they can pull the wrong that... lever. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> That's just such a great joke. That was one of the trailer lines that I was talking about earlier. Where uh... I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Wow, I've heard that a thousand times." <laughs> like, pull the lever, wrong lever. <laughs> Why do we have that lever? <laughs> when Pacha goes home. I didn't know this at the time, but I did find it interesting. I wrote in my notes that his wife is pregnant. Yeah. And it turns out that that's the first time in any Disney movie that there was a pregnant lady. Because I was like, they're acknowledging sex (laughs) in a Disney movie. They're talking about reproduction. I don't know. Yes, but when when it not to keep bringing up Lion King, but when Nala and Simba reunite as adults, and then that shit fades to black with Phil Collins singing in the air the night, you know those two had sex. Yeah, but it, <laughs> but like a kid will go over their head. I know, I know. I'm being a with dick. this, you'd be like, how did she get pregnant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're growing up, they're saying kill, and they're showing they're showing sex. I know. Showing sex. No. And <laughs> <laughs> I said I know. Implying sex. But Pacha's family's awesome. Yeah, they're fun. I love the kids. Yeah, for for the little screen time they have, they they end up having like some really good comedic moments. Pacha can't bring himself to tell his family what's going on, right? Yep. So it kind of just is Pacha being miserable, knowing that his home is possibly going to be taken away, and that's when he realizes he has a demon llama. Demon llama. <laughs> and it's a it's a pretty fun quick sequence too. Um, of course, Zuko can still. T- ah! Of course, Cusco can still talk in his llama form. Yeah. So that's really where all the comedy comes in. This is a cartoon, so I don't have a real problem with it. But I'm gonna go back to my big fat liar. Uh, how do you not know you're a llama <laughs> until literally just look at your hands? I'm like, I, see, I can see my hands right now. I'm always looking at my hands. I guess you could argue with him. Like he doesn't. He's not very observant. Also, I didn't really care. It's a cartoon. Yeah. Just being a dick. But yeah, it's basically a bunch of misunderstandings. You know, he thinks that it was Pacha who kidnapped him because he was mad that he's going to destroy his home and turn him into a llama. Yeah. You know, and Pacha basically, like, he's always doing the nice thing up to the point where he's, like, almost a little bit of a chump. You know what I mean? Like, oh. Like, there you have are a, a couple, problem with Pacha? Not a problem, but there are a couple of times where I'm like, guy, just walk away. Just <laughs> walk away. But I know that's not his character and that's not the theme of the movie. So that would be very bad. But but yeah, sometimes. Well, I mean, Pacha does get the idea to be like, I'll take you back to the palace if you promise not to build that. That's true. Yeah, he he does kind of like, what's in it for me? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. 
So we kind of get into a sequence of Emperor Cusco promises, in quotes, to not build a house if Pacha brings him back to the palace. Yep. And they go through a series of adventures here trying to get back to the palace and a bunch of stuff goes wrong. Classic, so I kind of want to like... Classic cartoon fashion. Yeah. So I kind of want to just um, have you sort of know what kind of stuck out to you or what was fun to you because I'd be curious to know. Sure. Hopefully you had a good time. I did. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, I think... You know, a lot of this movie kind of hinders on the physical comedy and and just like the insanity of all like these these scenes and stuff. You know, I like some more than others. I tend to. So the the first thing is when he goes off on his own in the jungle, and then that's when he meets the, the little squirrel tries to wake up all the panthers and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that was some pretty good some pretty good comedy. Nice. Right before that scene, actually, is when he's first walking in that jungle. This was another reference that they made. Where Cusco looks up and there's a fly stuck in a web, uh-huh. and the spider eats him. Yeah, and he goes, "Help me, help me!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know where that's from? Fly. Yes. I knew it. I mainly knew it. Uh, they reference it in Simpsons when they do a fly parody episode. Uh, um, it's pretty funny. But I'll say, see, sometimes reference humor doesn't work for me because that actually threw me off. I'm not gonna lie, because I was like. Wait a minute. We've already established no animals can talk. Why the fuck is this spider can talk all of a sudden? Because oh. the squirrel couldn't talk. The other llamas can't talk. There are no talking animals in this world. Except I for Cusco. See. So for the sake of a joke, they just kind of like undercut the world. And I was just like, what the fuck? Wait, what? Am I supposed to? Is that an important spider? Like, what the fuck? Like, is that another person? Like, it really threw me off. All for the sake of like a reference to a f- movie from 70 years I ago. I guess so. <laughs> I guess I always took it as since he's a llama, he can understand animals. But then again, he no. can't understand the squirrel. Or the other llamas later. Yeah. Like, they don't talk to him. Yeah, that's... I... Damn. <laughs> Why are you picking it? I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a That's fan a of reference one. humor, but there are times where it's like you gotta, you know, you gotta be community about it. You gotta yeah. like really pepper it in. You can't just be like, remember this? Like right. this Family Guy in this community. That was a little bit more Family Guy. Mm-hmm. You That's know, fair. Like That's where fair. It's just like, hey, remember this? Cool. Let's go. And we'll be doing the remake of The Fly on this podcast. And I'm apologizing in advance because you're gonna hate it. Oh no! It's a great Wait, movie. Wait, why the remake of The Fly, oh, and not it, The Fly? Because it's a lot better. Oh. I like The Fly, but the '80s The Fly, oh, one of the best horror movies, oh, in no. my opinion. But uh, yeah, it's gross. Oh come on! But it's so good. It's like I'm telling you, that's gonna be one of my challenges. It really bothers me that I can't pick a movie that like will gross you out in the sense that this a f- movie like The Fly would gross me out. Yeah. Like I just need to find like a. I mean, you could pick like 500 Days of Summer, and I'll be grossed out. <laughs> how dumb it is. Damn. I don't even <laughs> like that movie. I never even saw it. I'm being mean. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like a generic like rom com that I know I'm not gonna like. Maybe I'll do like From Justin to Kelly. Oh, that'll gross a... me out. I'll be like, <laughs> or you can just fucking put Bring It On on loop as a bathroom scene, and I'll vomit in my in my oh, soup. All right, all right. <laughs> You've grossed me out once before. What are you talking about? You grossed me out with food mouth and grease. You grossed me out with... Yeah, but those are scenes. They're yeah, not I, movies. I guess, yeah. So yeah, just get spitting the movie. I just hate spitting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anything where someone chews something and then opens their mouth and it falls out. That, that, that'll get me right in a second. But yeah, that's a great scene when you chose the squirrel scene. And what I like about that is... You know, the squirrel pops the balloon to get these jaguars to wake up to attack him. But it ends up being him that gets the jaguars exactly. to attack him, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's just like, again, seeding this character and sort of how he puts himself in these situations. Yeah, totally. It's just like, 
it's kind of like a little, almost like a little rinse and repeat of like, he's he's a dick to, to Pacha, then he gets himself in trouble, Pacha has to save him, and then like, with each time, he kind of grows a little bit more of a heart to be like, maybe I shouldn't be a fucking piece of shit to this right. guy. And I don't want to jump ahead, but when you were just saying like, which of these kind of like big... No, you can jump ahead. These big comedy scenes like stuck out to you. For me, the best one was the diner scene that comes a little bit later. Mm. Just in terms of like how the physical comedy plays and how like well it's timed and, yeah. and drawn and, and the jokes that come out of it. That, Let's talk about that it. That to me was the the highlight of the physical comedy of the movie. Cool. Yeah, like I said, they keep getting back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, there, there's a time where Cusco lies to like, like actually gives the big speech that you would get in a movie like this. Like, oh, I want to... I, I I learned the error of my ways. I'm so sorry. Like when we get over when we're done with this, he's he's sort of playing us too, right? Cusco like keeps pretending like he's on the right track, yeah, but still like is going back. So he's he's sort of le- learning his lesson little by little, like you said, but he's still not fully there. Like yeah. there, he hasn't reached that pinnacle moment where he realizes what the right thing to do is yeah and we also realize this because we do keep getting more narration from him but it's almost like the narrator is like a not a different Cusco but like a Cusco at a different point in his life Mm. because he's still very much the douchebag Cusco whenever he narrates yes like you know like we we find in the beginning we find out Pacha's gonna lose his house he's sitting on a rock contemplative sad because he doesn't know if his family will have a home and then it cuts to the narrator where he's like hey wait this is my movie who cares about him puts a little x over him (laughs) like I like that I like that kind of stuff and uh yeah so then you know eventually they're working together they're doing this but they're still they're still kind of at odds like they save each other, but then Cusco still says, like, yo, by the way, I'm still going to fuck you over when we get over there. But um, we get we get them at a at a diner, which is also hilarious, because how would there be a diner, like, in this <laughs> in this era of time, you know? But whatever. At yep. this point, I was like, okay, this is a physical comedy movie. This isn't a world-building story movie. Yeah. So I didn't mind anymore at this point. Uh, but yeah, they go to the diner. He dresses up like a lady, which is... <laughs> I love that he needs to be a human, so he has to be a lady human. Like, you know, like, what? It's the same as the Scooby-Doo does it. All these motherfuckers do it. They, they put on lipstick and a hat, and they pretend like they're a lady. Yeah. Even though, like, he's ordering with his hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then at the same time, Isma and Kronk come into the same diner. Fucking Pacha recognizes him, and then it's hard to explain just in audio. You just have to kind of watch it. But there's just some <laughs> great physical comedy of him trying to get Cusco out of the place while... Also, Crunk somehow becomes the new chef. It's it's very funny. It's yeah. it's there's no way I could explain it funny. So just trust me that it's, I think it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Crunk is really living his dream, right? Because oh. we already know he loves how to cook. Yeah, and it's because. Cusco and Isma keep going into the kitchen making these ridiculous requests on food that yeah. the chef eventually quits. Yep. And Kronk just sort of has to take over. And it's just so funny. And you get the revolving door. Like, even that comedy is yeah, pretty it was great. Because great, yeah. you have Cusco and Isma just constantly <laughs> making revisions to their orders, um, but like not realizing that they're both in the same place. <laughs> I love it. I love when they're like, Crunk, what's going on in there? Kind of got my hands full. <laughs> you know, like, he's just like cooking everyone dinner now. <laughs> and I love e- how Yzma plays it too, because she's like, oh, might as well get a nice meal, I guess, if he's going to be in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was like, yeah, this isn't like a real villain. Like, she's here <laughs> to make us laugh. Like, we're not, I'm not worried. Like, if Yzma were to catch Cusco, I don't, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's all great And that, I even thought, like, because Crunk and Pacha are drawn to be, like, physically the same size. So I was like, there's no way we're not going to get a fight between these two in the third act. Like, you uh... know, like, big fist fight or something and like no it doesn't happen at all because that's no. not this movie it's not those stakes you know like but it makes sense that Kronk thinks 
he knows Pacha from like wrestling class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also love after that scene, you know, because he clearly knows who Pacha is. He knows he's the one who has the llama, but he's too stupid to remember that it's him. Yeah. And then later he's laying in bed and he goes, oh, the guy at the diner. He didn't pay his bill. <laughs> and he goes back to bed. <laughs> but then he puts it all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this scene is where also in the diners where Pacha learns that these two are actually after Cusco. He tries to tell Cusco. Cusco thinks he's lying. And then even this, like, I feel like in another movie, this would have been played out so much longer. Because mm. he he tells Pacha to go screw himself. Then he goes back to those guys. And then I thought he was going to see them. They were going to pretend to be nice. They were going to go back to the castle. Maybe pretend to throw a ceremony for him. But really, they were going to, like, down his downfall. And then Pacha would come in at the last second and save him. Yep. But this movie was like, nah, he's just going to hear them in two seconds. Like, he walks over and he hears them right away. Be like, ah, we're supposed to kill him, you know? And, like, yep. <laughs> and so I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. It kept solidifying that I was watching the movie wrong when we first started. I was just like, oh, I'm watching the wrong movie. Like, yeah, I was... that's why I love I I personally love the pacing in this movie. Oh, it's so... It's, it skips yeah. over the things we already yeah. know or have and seen And I'll say, before. too, like, I meant to mention it off top, but I, I think the animation's really good looking, and it might just be me missing 2D animation in movies. Mm. There's something, you know, I love Pixar. Pixar makes some ultra-beautiful movies, but I find a lot of studios, including Disney... Moana a little separate, but even I would say with like Frozen and Zootopia, like I love the story of Zootopia, but they're always so concerned with like recreating realism. Mm. And it like, I don't know. It's just like, this is animation. Like, like, I don't know why we were, tra- we're so obsessed with making everything look like a real, not a real bunny, but like the environments are all very sterile and very just normal streets, normal colors. And then you go back and watch like this and Lion King, like nothing is realistic, but it's fine. It looks yeah. beautiful. Like I love when the sky is purple. I love when the ground is orange. I love when, you know, the, the hillside isn't necessarily connected to a mountain that is realistic. Like it's just, it's there to pop. You know yes. what I mean? I think that's where like the artistry really stands out when it doesn't look like reality. Yeah. Like the sharpness of Kronk's jaw, for example. Yeah. Like, I love and I love how disproportionate all the bodies are. Of course, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's so cool. It's just yeah, it's like a fun, different way to make a movie as opposed to being like, no, this has to look just like reality. Like yeah. I, I want to believe that Elsa is talking to a moose, and I'm like, why? She has magic powers, and the moose can talk. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. give her really long legs. Who gives a shit? Like, you know, like one thing, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me, and it totally makes sense, is when these animators are creating these characters, they actually create a style guide for their animation like how they move and stuff how they move but like how they look like so in the style guide it's like arms can look like this or move look like this they can move like this so that way because half the animators are in the u.s and for for this movie and half the animators are in paris so Mm -hmm. they have to make a style guide to make sure all these animators who are hand drawing these guys are doing it the same way of course yeah yeah and it's just crazy i'm like yeah style guide totally makes sense yeah (laughs) like yeah i think if you're going animation just go for it like yeah. you know if you don't it's the same reason that li- these live action remakes work even less for me because mm-hmm. lion king was soulless like i was just like i'm just looking at gray and dry and then like a weird animal that looks real but his mouth moves and sounds like a donald glover like this is fucking weird <laughs> i just i don't like it you know yeah i don't know how other actors will feel about this but one of the animators called themselves an actor because they have to act in a mirror how they visualize the character moving. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the animators are like, I lock myself in a room and like act it out with my body. And then that, and then I draw. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And I believe especially for Cusco, like this guy (laughs) is moving all the time. Like whether he's happy or sad, he's always like jiving and shoulders 
shimmying and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And even Yzma, too. Like, oh, yeah. She brings so much through her voice. The movement of her body is yeah, just so great. It was good. It was just, like, I just, it made me realize I hadn't seen anything like this in a while. You yeah. know what I mean? But I think we left off, like you said, where Zuko, Zuko, <laughs> where Chris <Kushi>. Lightning. <laughs> For comedy's sake, the first couple times she says Zuko, we're putting Danny Zuko clips, but then we're going to switch it over to Zuko from Avatar clips. It'll oh! be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. So we're finally at the point where Cusco is at a crossroads because yeah. he now realizes that the woman he was going to turn to for help is actually out to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it before, but the breaking of the fourth wall. Oh, this just... is the best version of that right here. Yeah. Because we're, we're back to the origin of the movie, like the beginning of the movie. He's crying in the rain. And then, you know, the narrator version of himself is going like, see, Everyone was such a dick to me. Like, I told you, like, feel bad for me. But then the real version of him who's actually been through this was like, guys, stop lying. Like, mm-hmm. like I know th- I brought this on myself, you know? And I was like, that's pretty funny. Yeah. This movie just knows that it's a movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? it just knows, like, we're here We're here to, to put a smile on your face for an hour and 22 minutes. We don't, we're not going to... We're not here to make you think, you know oh. what I mean? Uh, but then, yeah, even, like, him and Pacha when they, they meet they see each other and then their their forgiveness scene is so fast mm-hmm. it's almost like the movie is like yeah we're putting that stuff in because it is a movie but that's not our interest yeah our interest is getting to the humor and the jokes and what i thought were gonna be songs but no songs <laughs> <laughs> i gotta say out of if you were to put this movie into three acts the final act is my favorite part of the movie yeah because it's just comedy it's, oh, it's yeah. joke after joke and after they throw joke. By the end, they really throw everything out the window <laughs> just for the sake of laughs. And uh, that's just, for me, it was, it was great. Yeah. I think the first, where it kicks off is at Pacha's home. Great, great moment. Where Yzma pretends to be a distant relative of Pacha's and just the family is just not buying it. I, yeah, I love I love that like the family isn't stupid. You yes. know what I mean? Like It'd be one thing, like, oh, he tricked us. But I love she's like, how do you know him again? <laughs> and then she sees Pacha in the window, just like, ugh. Yep. Kronk double dutching with the kids was great. But Aww. then when Yzma jumps in to talk to him about the plan, but they're playing patty cake in the, in the fucking double dutch, that really made me laugh. Oh, God. <laughs> I, ho- I hope we're selling that we actually find this funny because it's all visual so we're it's just like all visual yeah but they just plant a joke so well like you'll see Kronk talking to the kids about I have this special version of double dutch that I do yeah and then Yzma comes into the seam and she goes it's time Kronk and then the Instead of, you know, going after Cusco. Yeah, instead of it's time for the plan, he goes, it is? And then he does the double dutch switch, you know? And it like... It's just such a fun movie. Yeah. I even like when, when the family decides to, like, mess with the villains. And then they were like, all right, kid, do you know what to do? It was like the most complicated plan in the world that involved, like, tarring and feathering. Like, yeah. Or honeying. Honey and feathering. And running down a hill before Faster, she yeah, gets Yeah, exactly. There. That was great. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's but we awesome. love it. For me, my favorite joke was they do the classic gag of like not gag but they they show you the map of how far they are from the location and you see like the little our little avatars of Cusco and Pacha running and they, they leave the little red dotted lines just like they do in Indiana Jones and all those movies. Yeah. But then it cuts to like real life and then they look down and like the dotted lines are on the floor <laughs> and, and then and then Kronk looks down and he's making his own blue lines and they're just like, fuck if I know. Like, like, <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me. And I was like, that's a good joke. I've yeah. never, I love a good I love a good travel by map joke and that was a really good one. Oh, and then there's a second good travel by map joke where they completely, you know, thwart the villains 
stop them in their tracks. You know, their lightning hits their thing. They fall off. They're like, coast is clear. They get to the lab, and then the villains are right behind them. They're like, how did you? How did you get us? How did you get here at the same time as us? And they're like, I don't know. How did we? And then he literally <laughs> pulls up the map and like shows where he stops moving, and he's like, by all accounts, it makes no sense. <laughs> like, I was just like, I was like, all right, thank you, movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Andy from the first five minutes of this movie would have hated that just because I was like, that's not Disney makes deep movies but then i was just like oh no this is not this is what we're doing and i like yeah, it yeah. i like silly i mean this last act it's hard to even talk about just again it's just all, it's all physical. physical gags and and visual comedy Kronk has his angel and demon that we talked about earlier they come yes. back and and then i like when it cuts out and you just see him talking to his dead like empty shoulders Kronk <laughs> <laughs> accidentally switches sides because of yzma right like she kind of talks down to him and that's sort of like well she she insults his food that she... was that's what makes him turn on her oh my god that she never liked his his uh spinach puffs which i learned were supposed to be empanadas oh uh. but they didn't think that that would translate to people like Americans. They'd be like, what's an empanada? <laughs> so right, they guys. made those Spanish puffs. Come to our neighborhood. Can't, can't walk two steps without a fucking empanada. Hitting your mouth. And they're delicious. They're great. I love the sequence of them just collecting all the potions oh, it's great. In, in the closet and just being like, we're just going to have you drink all of them yeah. until we find the human one because... She had stolen them, but yeah. you know. Uh, I like the lions, tigers, and bears oh my joke. Oh, you got that one too. Nice. Yeah, it wasn't that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it. You got that one too. <laughs> I think the best transformation was of the Empire soldiers. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, when he was like, oh, I could turn into a cow. Can I go home? Yeah, you're excused. <laughs> I'm with the rest of you. Now we're good. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that was actually, that's probably my second favorite joke. Yeah, I think about it after the map one. Nobody lives forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all like, should have rather dive down this hole. Like, well, nobody lives forever. And sometimes being like, oh, let's just go. Maybe we die, maybe we don't. <laughs> but that was hilarious. And then I also liked, uh, you know, Kuso's drinking the potion, turns into a whale, turns into a turtle. And then he drinks one, he turns back into a llama. And he's like, yes, I'm a llama. Oh, wait, that's what? <laughs> like, like, that's not my goal. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, such fun, fast comedy. Yeah, it was good. But my favorite is when Yzma turns into a little kitty cat. Yeah, that was great. Eartha Kit as a, like, I don't know what filters upon her voice, but it's just hilarious <laughs> to have that sort of power and character in your voice, but to be this, like, tiny little evil cat. Is, yeah. Oh, it's so good. She was like, is that my voice? <laughs> when she talks, you know? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is that she ends up turning back into a human again, and he has to stay a llama for the rest of his life. Just kidding. This is a Disney movie. He gets yeah. he gets the human poison back. I'll say, yeah, he gets the human poison. <laughs> oh, human poison. <laughs> <laughs> I said it too. <laughs> he gets the human potion back. Yep, he's back to a human. Hatches his new best friend. And then he, learned, instead of destroying Pacha's town, he builds this thing right next to him. And then now he ostensibly has his own family and friends, you know. There's a distinction here because he doesn't build his original palace idea with the water slide. Yeah. He just has like his own shack. Yeah, yeah, on that's the true. Side okay, I didn't, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. I didn't yeah. think of that. So originally it was supposed to be that he built, Cusco built this. Yeah, I forgot what his, he called it. He called it like Cusco-topia, I think. Yeah, yeah. he builds it on a hill beside yeah. um, Pacha's home. Sting actually called this out when he saw the original ending and he's like, it doesn't make sense. Why are we advocating for him to continue to build 
a theme park. It's like the character didn't change. Yeah, at like all. he's supposed to learn that it's the people that he wants that that makes him fulfilled, not stuff. Exactly. So all he needs is a shack because he has a new family. Yeah, and that was actually a scene in the documentary where oh, he wow. he wrote like this very thoughtful letter to the producers and was like, "This isn't right. Like this isn't how you should end this movie." And the producers were like, "You know." He, it's actually a really great note. They were like, Sting, <laughs> shut the fuck up and write the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> they send goons to his house to feed him with bats. <laughs> They're like, don't you ever talk to us like that again? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell, like, he, he felt out of place writing it because, like, he's like, I'm yeah. just, I know well, I'm going to write the yeah. songs. I totally agree. It makes more sense for him to, like, have a family now yeah. rather than. I don't know why. It, it doesn't really make sense storyline wise, but I actually was surprised he didn't stay a llama. I thought it was going to be like a Shrek thing where like he learns his lesson and like oh. he's happier as a llama or something. I was just surprised. I was like, oh, I just thought, especially if they wanted to like franchise this forward, I was just like, wouldn't he be a llama always? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you make a sequel, aren't you going to want him as the llama? Because that's like what you know him as. Oh, damn. You know, so I just, I was surprised. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be something where like they lost the last potion. And he's like, you know what? I'll go live with you and I'll be a llama and like, I don't need all this, you know? Yeah. So that's what I thought it was going to be. Interesting. So I was actually very surprised when he became a human again. Because we see him as a llama most of the movie, I'm like, the human looks weird. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's why, like, I didn't, I haven't seen Kronk's new groove, but I was like, fuck, is he a human that whole movie? <laughs> or is he barely in it? Like, is it mostly Kronk? Like, I don't oh, know. man. I'll tell you about it in Beyond the Credits. Cool. But first, let's hit up Best Worst. I know this movie only has like three songs in it, but... Does it? I would have guessed one. Okay, sorry. Not the movie, but the soundtrack, like original songs made for the movie. Yeah, I was like, when were there songs in this movie? We mentioned Perfect World sung by Tom Jones. Um, That's my best song. It's just so groovy, so fun. Cusco! Yeah. It's my best too because I don't even know what the other ones are. Watching it in the documentary again, it's just so fun to see them in the studio with the background singers and the instruments. Yeah. Oh, it's so lively. My worst song is actually going to be My Funny Friend and Me. What is that? Which is the slow song that plays at the end credits. Oh, snap. How did I not bring that up? <laughs> I literally have a note that says, what the fuck is going on with this end credits? <laughs> Yo, that was the most tonally different thing i've ever seen i know it was crazy and it, it cuts so fast like the movie's like but then bam bam the ending woo we're all happy bam and then it's just like it literally sounds like it was a movie about someone who had cancer <laughs> like you just hear like piano like dun. i thought adele was gonna come in and be like hello <laughs> like i was like what the fuck yeah they, i mean both songs are written by sting the song is fine. The song is good. But like you said, it's just tonally... Oh, it's nothing in this movie fit with that song. Like, And yes, the lyrics are about like their friendship, but oh, no. No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> and he even mentioned it in the documentary. He's like frustrated with how tonally the songs are different. Yeah. So I don't think him at the end of the day is even really happy with the song, but it's a good song that it even got... an. Academy Award nomination. That's crazy. It lost to a song from, I think, The Wonder Years or something with Wonder mm, in it. No, it wasn't The Wonder <laughs> Years. In the, in the year, first of all, Wonder Years is a TV show that was oh, not God. on the air anywhere near the year oh 2000s. <laughs> Wonder Years. Oh, The one, Wonder Boys. I don't know what that. I don't know what that is. I don't is. know what Wonder Boys is either. Oh, that was great. So, not a bad song, but just for this movie, just out of, it felt weird. Yeah. No, 100%. it was, it. 
I was shocked. I was like, what? I thought the end credits was going to be like, you know, like just like, like it was a very silly movie. Yeah. Like there was never, even when it's serious, it makes fun of itself. Like even mm-hmm. when he's crying in the rain, like it, they turned it into a joke. Like it's not, yep. it's never, there's not a single moment of this movie where you're not supposed to have levity. A hundred percent. Nothing. Yes. I can't believe you almost skipped over your note. Oh man, that was crazy. Yeah, that's the worst <laughs> song. Beyond? Kronk has a groove, but then I think he gets a new groove. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think happens beyond the credits. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I could see why they made a sequel, but also, I don't know, nothing really in this Scream sequel to me. It was a very contained storyline, you know, like about him turning into a llama. So then if you did a sequel, I get going the route of making it about a different character because, like, his story is kind of done. Um, especially since we know nothing about him, like, personally, other yeah. than, you know, he wanted a friend, now he has a friend. So, yeah, taking Krunk's new groove and whatever the plot is of that out of the picture, no sequel necessary, and, uh, I mean, it's hard with Disney because they set up happily ever after in every movie, so happily <laughs> ever after, really. I mean, I don't know what else to think, you know? Yeah. The bad guy's a cat, Krunk is is leading the raccoon scouts, or whatever, squirrel scouts, Yeah. whatever it was. I like, forgot what it's yeah. called. <laughs> yeah, it's pr- pretty boring on this end. I'd rather let you go because you actually know what goes on in these things. All right, well, like you mentioned, there is a direct-to-DVD sequel, Kronk's uh, New Groove, um, which came out in 2005, so I think quite a bit yeah five years after yeah 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 then i definitely wouldn't i definitely wouldn't have watched it at 15 yeah if i wasn't watching this at 10 i personally would have liked more of like a pinky in the brain sort of continuation of this how so where now that yzma's a cat Uh she's like sort of always trying to take over the world or (laughs) like you know and then kronk's like her like dumb he's pinky you know like Like, i just feel like it could have just been like that fun dynamic there yeah what ha- have you seen it or did you only look up what happens in it i have not seen it basically what it's about is i think kronk pursues his cooking like his love for cooking uh-huh. i think Cusco makes like an appearance or two but it's not like really about him and then yzma's part of it somehow sorry i really didn't do as much <laughs> looking into it as i thought i did but that's really what kronk's new groove is about and then separately, Disney Channel released a cartoon called The Emperor's New School, ah. which only lasted for two seasons, had a horrible like time slot, so nobody was really watching. Yeah. I also feel like they did this with a lot of their shows, so it just like they, they weren't all going to be hits. Yeah. Like a lot. I remember a lot of being like, oh, it's now a TV show version of this, you know? Yeah. Like Timon and Pumbaa had a show and like all that stuff. David Spade did not come back to voice it for the show yeah i believe it john goodman did return for the second season of that show Mm -hmm. um to voice it i thought it was kind of weird because from the description i read it sounded like they sort of disregarded all of the character development cusco made in the movie so he was still kind of a jerk in the show classic (laughs) that's Um, what i mean by like there's nothing you could this character only has the one storyline so you can't you can't do anything else with him like he's not interesting like he's just like he was you wanted to see how he became not a dick and that's it exactly but the show is about him going to school because like he's challenged to finish his education before he can assume his full role as emperor Uh by the time he turns 18 so i guess kind of like that adam sandler movie Billy Madison? <laughs> Except not as dumb. <laughs> <laughs> eh, it might be dumber. <laughs> and then, yeah, Yzma keeps trying to, like, sabotage his, you know, learning and plans and stuff. And then she keeps 
messing up. So that's really what the show is about. Um, and what I found odd was there were also two video games made <laughs> for this movie nice. or for this franchise, I should say. It wasn't a huge success either way. I think Disney's sort of like, meh, Emperor's New Groove. Cool. It became a cult classic, but yeah, we're on to other things, you know? Oh, you didn't even mention what the, the title is a play on. That's another, The whole title is a reference. It is. To the Emperor's New Clothes. Yes. Yeah. I didn't mention it because I don't know the Emperor's New Clothes. I don't know it e- that well either. I just know it's, <laughs> I just know the title of it. Like, it's, you know, because it's so old and famous. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, in a, in a movie full of weird references to old stuff that kids won't get, <laughs> might as well deal with the title too. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, this movie used to be a movie about a man, a, a common man, Pacha, teaching an arrogant man how to rule a kingdom. Uh-huh. And actually... The original, you know, like the names of the characters, like Cusco and Pacha, those weren't the original names of the characters. Like Owen Wilson was originally voicing like the Pacha character in ah. the original production of this. Like they made so many changes. They made it up to him. They let him star in Cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> A couple what years later, said. They, they made it up to him. Um, but it's just so like I think. It's some people might find it boring, the documentary, but like it really just shows how much you have to go through creatively to either get things approved or like when things aren't working. Even the creator, the original creator was like, I had the recipe for like the perfect thing. I had the perfect cast. I had Sting attached to it. This crazy, awesome musician. I had this awesome team of animators. And it's just like all the pieces for a perfect formula and it just wasn't working and just all fell apart. Oh, it's so kind of heartbreaking to watch Yeah, and could be boring to some people, but I just found it so interesting. Originally, you know, there was going to be a love interest between like the emperor and somebody else. Mm, And I think that's another thing I love about this movie. Like it's all about the comedy and it's all about the friendship. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be about pursuing a love interest. They always put those at the movies for no reason. Yeah. So I I think that's really why I love it. And I'm just kind of going to transition into why I think you should as well. Yeah, go for it. Because, again, crazy great cast. People you actually love. Like, I think you like David Spade. Yeah. You like comedy. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if I love David Spade, but I like David Spade. You clearly love John Goodman. <laughs> you don't. You don't have a soul. Yeah. Um. So, like, Eartha Kid's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, all, everybody. It's a great story, but it's, like, nice and tight with humor for everyone. And you've gone on and on about, like, how family movies should be for families like everyone should get something out of it and i think this is a true like movie for everybody um and it doesn't have that romance that people think we need in all these movies and it's a movie that makes fun of itself and breaks the fourth wall which i feel like you always appreciate yeah not (laughs) always because a lot of people do it bad. oh i guess so i appreciate when it's done well yeah 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 (laughs) i think this movie does it really well yeah and lastly, I think just the animation style, you really value how much, first of all, this movie makes you really value 2D animation. Like you realize all the hard work that went into it and just the originality of the art that they made. Yeah. And the fact that they like really dug deep into getting inspiration from real his- historic like places and all that. So I just think there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into this movie. And even though it what it didn't come out to be what it had originally intended to be, I think it they created something really fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's really why I think, you know, you should 
get off your high ho-. no i'm just kidding wow. <laughs> no i'm just kidding no but that's really why i think you should um really consider loving this movie but you know i'm, I'm i pleaded my case and it really just all comes down to you so andy do you love what i love I love it. I went into this expecting a certain kind of movie based on the Disney template, mm. and we didn't get that. And I found that refreshing because for me, and I'm proud of myself for not saying this up until now, saving it until the end, <laughs> this did something that Disney never does. And it seems to me it's replicating more Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers than Disney. Oh. And as a kid, I was always Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers over Disney. Like, I just found it so much funnier. Mm. I I find that whole style of cartoon comedy to be very focused on the physical aspect. And again, like you, like you said that I always say, <laughs> family <laughs> entertainment has become kids entertainment. That's what that word now means. But it should mean funny for everybody. And slapstick just translates. It's the only old humor that I think still really holds up. It's the reason why Buster Keaton's still funny. It's the reason why Charlie Chaplin's still funny. It's the reason why the Three Stooges are still funny. It's the reason why the Little Rascals are still funny. Because they're getting thrown around by fire hoses and getting thrown through walls. Like, it's just, it's, people falling down is funny. It's very hard to do it well. Mm. So, uh, that's why, you know, there's plenty of bad versions of it, too. I don't think, you know, you, I don't think you could just write a scene where someone gets hit with a pie and now we're all laughing. You really have to do it well. And... The best animators nail it. It's the reason why Tom and Jerry has been around for so long. Because it's funny to watch Tom run into a plank of wood. Because they really know how to make it hit. You know? Right. And I think that's always like what turned me off to Disney as a kid. Where like it was... You know, when it was good and I loved it. Like Lion King. It was the most important movie to me of all time. But in general... I felt, and this could, and, and I'm, I'm kind of talking about the later renaissance like of Disney eight from Little Mermaid onwards, not necessarily classics Disney, because mm-hmm. that shit I don't find funny at all. You know, it's you know, yeah. funny about Cinderella. There's nothing funny about the Lady and the Tramp. Like, the, you know, those are was that old? E- I don't Maybe. know. There's nothing funny about 101 <laughs> yeah. Dalmatians. They're really like more about pulling the heartstrings. Yeah, you know, and then like they they might have like a funny character on the side or two, but they're not they're not really focused on being like very humorous. Yeah. And so to me, I was just always like, no, I want I want the hilariousness, and they were also always grounded in a little bit more reality. There's yes, over the top things happen in these movies, but they always kind of keep them a little bit more grounded. Mm-hmm. And Looney Tunes was never worried about that. Like you could have Roadrunner. Or Wiley Coyote paint a, a tunnel on the on the wall. Roadrunner can run through it. He runs through it. He hits a wall. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't make any fucking sense, but it's hilarious. So when this movie was doing that, so you know, not explaining how they got to the end to the map and just writing it off as a joke, having the kids, you know, messing with them on the mountain and then they run down the mountain. The kids are at the bottom already <laughs> waiting for them. Like that's none of that is re- realistic, but it's funny. Yeah, and that's why I've always loved Warner Brothers cartoons. Why I've always thought. Bugs Bunny will always be funnier than Mickey Mouse. Now, actually, is Mickey Mouse even funny? I don't know that he's funny. Yeah, I don't think he's supposed to be funny, but he's definitely not to yeah, me. I cannot tell you why I loved Mickey and Minnie Oof, Mouse I when I was a kid. Like, them. I really don't know why. As a kid, I was always like, what is up with this mouse and why do people <laughs> think he's funny? Like, Daffy Duck's better than Donald Duck. Bugs better than Mickey. We're, we're, we're going hard on this, <laughs> you know? The duck versus duck was just... Ugh. I, I the balls yeah. to have a duck. Yeah. 
I don't know who came first, but Donald is not funny. <laughs> I get I like Scrooge McDuck. I think that's a good duck. Mm. Um, but um, Toons are the best. And like, and then even in the nineties, like you know, I, I was rewatching some Tiny Toons on Hulu not that long ago. <laughs> Fucking funny stuff. Yeah, There's some really good stuff in there. So I've just never seen Disney even attempt to replicate Warner Brothers. It seemed like they made a very conscious choice to be like, we don't do that. And then this did it and did it really good. Like, it was just like, I was like, is this not Warner Brothers? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, like I was totally expecting Tasmanian Devil to pop up at some point. Just like, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Like, yeah so, uh, yeah, just that, that totally, that stuff worked for me. And once I kind of shed my expectations of a Disney movie, because like I said at the beginning, I was like almost mad. And I was like, are they, do they not care at all about me caring about these I people? I need to like look at you more when you're watching. Yeah, I was, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what, where, where's his mom? What? Why, <laughs> why is he the king? Well, who's this? Like, you know? And then once I like learned to throw that all away and be like, none of this matters. None of this is going to track. We're going to get to the end no matter what. Like it's, yeah. if they hit a setback, they don't really have to cleverly figure out how to get out of it. Like, they, even the, you know, the, the whole big, team building moment is when they're back to back on the mountain and they learn to work, work together to climb up that mountain yeah that started off very like physically realistic but then like by the end literally the bats like push them up the rest of the mountain like it makes no sense <laughs> and if you're watching the movie to be realistic you'll be like that was why did i just invest all that time and maybe they'll fall Ooh, they thought of a way to get out of this if they're just gonna jump up off of nothing because they're scared of bats. Right. You know? But then if you're watching it the other way, you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's funny. All the bats fly in his mouth. Ah. <laughs> so That's how we all laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess that and then mixed, you know, I think the voice cast was really good and I already praised that I enjoyed the colors of the animation. Um, so it's a very close margin, but oh. I think I do. Yes! <laughs> I can't believe you played me like yeah. that. You're no, but like... it's like it's like really close. Like I wouldn't say it's like it's like a lowercase love. Like I, I'm not gonna be like, oh, oh my god, I have to watch this in two years. Like it's not gonna be like that. But I laughed enough by the end and appreciated the homage to old animation where I was like, yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. I love it. I love it. You know what? It's a low. I'll take a lowercase love. I don't care. Yeah, it's a lowercase love. But it's the closest dude, I've ever been. All right, you don't have to reinstate <laughs> that it's a lowercase love. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I think that if, you know, you weren't so busy trying to be cool that like young you would have really loved it. Oh, I would have dug it. I would have <laughs> dug it. But yeah. So I think I really wanted to show you this movie to like for the younger Andy within you yeah. to like really not miss out on a cool, funny movie. But Patrick Warburton and John Goodman helped a lot. If it wasn't mm. them, I don't know if I could have said love. Because I loved all the stuff I said, but that cast just put me over the edge because yeah. they were all really well cast. The four the four leads. Yeah. They were perfect. They were awesome. Oh like, my god. Like that was probably not that I've not that there is a lot, but that was probably the best David Spade movie. You know, mm. Tommy Boy's very funny, but uh, it's more a Chris Farley movie with him on, as the sidekick. Okay. Um, but like with Joe Dirt, like Dickie Robert. No, this is the best David Spade movie. So yeah, like it. I love it. All right, I'll take a lowercase love. <laughs> so that's our show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love. <laughs>